Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 245 of the podcast. It's the 30th of September, 2020, as I record this intro. And this week, Kate and Jenna Phillips join me and share some of their wonderful unschooling stories. With six children, it was inspiring to hear about how their journey has unfolded as they prioritize relationships, follow their passions, and work together to support each other. As a personal update this week, fall has definitely hit the ground running here. <laughs> the trees are beautiful with bursts of red, yellow, and orange everywhere. The days are noticeably shorter, definitely cooler. We've even had frost on the roof a couple of mornings. And the squirrels are hard at work harvesting pine cones off of our trees, so it's fascinating to watch them in action and try to figure out where they're storing them. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support pays for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time in creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the growing podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Kate and Jenna. Welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Kate and Jenna Phillips. Hi guys. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I was introduced to Kate and Jenna through Tara McGovern-Dutcher, who was a guest on the podcast back in episode 221, so I'll put the link to that in the show notes too, but I am so excited to learn more about your unschooling experiences. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? And you guys can choose who goes first. Okay. okay. (laughs) We're really excited to be here. Thank you for having us, Um, and we love Tara. Um, We're excited to be introduced. Um, and be a part of this. So we are a tribe of eight, um, Kate and I and our, our six kids. We're a very eclectic group. I would say a wonderful, but very eclectic yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. of, of <laughs> sentient beings. Yes. <laughs> so those are the humans, right? And then we have qu- quite a few animals running around as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So what are some of the things that you guys are into? Okay. <laughs> We're all into, um, we have different passions. Uh-huh. Um, so, and we try really hard to respect all of our passions, uh, including ourselves. So uh-huh. Kate and I are into art. Um, we all enjoy hiking and nature. The kids range, you know, we have an oldest who loves reading and then we have a middle kiddo who's obsessed with Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, we'll, we'll dive into that a bit later. But yeah, it's just nice to hear just a little bit of overview of what everybody's kind of touching on right now. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> and so how did you guys, oh, sorry. I was going to say in the day-to-day, um, I'm usually working. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and Jenna's usually with the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of weave because I work from home, and I did before all the COVID stuff. So we kind of I kind of weave in and out as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there's a lot of great flexibility that comes with that. And she joins us three days a week that when she doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, so yeah, that sounds like you've got a pretty good rhythm for your work going right now that meshes in. Finally, yeah. we've, we've <laughs> it's been a while. Got there, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, and I bet that's something that kind of flows, you know, works for a while and then things need to change up a little bit and then you find another kind of happy medium for a while. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. We're always growing ebb and flow. Yeah, and then, you know, at different stages in life, you know, different kids' needs or different whatever needs we have, you know, yeah, Mm -hmm. the journey changes. Oh, that's very cool. So how did you guys discover unschooling, and what did your move towards it look like? That's an interesting story. It's kind of a two-part story. So I was uh, homeschooled and didn't realize until about two or three years into our homeschooling journey when we discovered unschooling that I was actually unschooled. (laughs) Um, The term was never used. We never used that term. Mm -hmm. I went to a traditional school for a few years. My mom pulled me out. Um, I was emotionally abused in third grade by a teacher who had flipped my desk over because I wasn't writing correctly. I wasn't making the letter P and I had spent six hours writing it. And she told me, you'll never be able to do it because you're left-handed. And she got really angry and flew at my desk. Oh, my goodness. Traumatizing memory. And I carried that with me and always wanted to homeschool our kids. Mm-hmm. And Kate was hesitant. Um, she wanted that traditional schooling edu- education for the kids. Mm-hmm. So we put our oldest in 4K. Mm-hmm. And we were told... Almost immediately. Almost immediately, within the first week that he was ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sit still. <clears throat> and, and he expressed that, too. He would come home and say his, his favorite word yeah. at the time was awkward. <laughs> so you would say, like, how was school today? And he would be like, so awkward. Awkward. awkward because <laughs> I'm sitting on the ground, and it, it was awkward with my feet. It was, you know, like, he just... He just <laughs> I couldn't move around, and they got angry with me. It was awkward. <laughs> Because I was disrupting them, so that was awkward. <laughs> it was such a clear view. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but as we look back, it was awkward for him. He went from this loving home environment where he could do anything he wanted at any time he wanted to very rigid routine. And then we were he was labeled. And from age four to age seven, his school career just declined and I I was in and out of the classrooms uh, he had a teacher that was causing anxiety for him mm-hmm. it so was his just, his experience turned traumatic similar to mine and at that point I said I shared with Kate what I had experienced and I said we can't continue we, we need to homeschool um, and that was a Christmas break when he was in second grade and he was seven he's 15 now um, and we had a five-year-old who had just started K-5. And we said, at the end of the year, we'll pull you guys out. And Christmas break was over, and we got up to go to the school. And they cried and said, Mommy, please, please. And you you look at your child who's pleading. I, I don't want to do this. And we just, we just chose to respect their wishes. And we called the school and said they're not coming back, which mm-hmm. is 
history repeating itself because that's exactly what my mom did. <laughs> I got to say, it sounds so familiar too. I mean, it was it's, my yeah, oldest as well. Often and hear about it often. Um, and it's sad. But we didn't dive into homeschooling. We tried a Montessori approach. Um, we tried Waldorf-themed approach. Um, we really liked the Waldorf philosophy. We did some Charlotte Mason work. Um, we were across the board, and I was pretty type A at the time. We only had three kiddos, and so I liked everything to be organized. It felt good to have that control over it. Um, and our oldest still kept pushing, pushing, pushing. pushing. <laughs> he and was the captain of the ship. He was. <laughs> He was like, this is not going to work for me. He wanted to be outside. And, and I wanted to be outside. And I realized, why am I controlling this? And I would call her at work just in tears. He's crying and I'm crying. And we both want to be outside. But he didn't finish his writing. And she said, go outside. It's like, we're adults. We can do whatever we want. Take him outside. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. And it, it was slow. And so we'd go outside first and then do the writing. Or we'd you know, I'd ask him what he wanted to do. Do you want to write about Star Wars or whatever he was interested in? And eventually, I think it took us about six months, a year to realize this is curriculum is not going to work for us. <laughs> let's pick and choose. Let's let them lead the way. And then we did some major de And then we, we discovered de-schooling. We started doing research. Um, and that's, we focused two or three years on interpersonal relationship skills, how we coexist with one another. And it was the best thing we've ever done. And now we are full on unschooling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. No, I love that. I love, so you, you came to it and you went to homeschooling and curriculum because that's what we know, right? That's what we're Right. right. That that's what we think learning looks like. Yeah, and that's where Kate was. She was very uncomfortable with homeschooling yeah. in general. She said, why don't we take them out of this school and put them in the Waldorf school? And I mm-hmm. said, it's still not what they need. Mm-hmm. She said, well, then I want to do the Waldorf approach, you know, and she was very hesitant because she, you had that traditional school experience. Yeah, yeah. And I love to learn. So, like, I – and I saw in Oscar mm-hmm. a love of learning, too, that yeah. I was really concerned about, like, that – that as, you know, he continued on his journey, that, that if we didn't put stuff in his path, you know, that he wouldn't continue to love learning, right? So I felt like, well, you gotta, you gotta be learning. How do you, how do you, you know, like, that's what life is. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> but I'm also a very flexible, open-minded, open-minded person. person to, like, the nth degree. Mm-hmm. So as soon, like, my only goal in life is to to be you know loving and happy right so as soon as I could could hear this distress you know it was like this is after the phone calls were happening yeah it was like she would come home and I would say I think we had to ground him he was screaming (laughs) you know and then we would just talk and talk over you know period of time every evening and just finally evolved to let's let them lead the way. Let's ask them what they want. And one time we went to an, an indoor garden and they were very interested in the, the cacti and 
the dragon's blood and they went home and we made an entire replica of it. You know, they were seven, five and three at the time. And I thought, this is where it's at. Like mm -hmm. I'm enjoying their time, my time with them. They're enjoying their time with me. It's passion driven. It feels great. And we're learning. And then and you became the person that just kept pushing us. This is, she, she just completely turned around right. and was like, do this more. <laughs> <laughs> and then we discovered that it was a thing, that it was called. <laughs> we didn't even so we didn't even know. We had like come up with this thing like, yeah, why force him? Like, let's have him tell us what he wants to learn. And, mm. and then we'll follow that path and it'll be really organic. Like, that's the mm. terms that we use. And then we started doing... Like research, research and we, and we were like, whoa, whoa, we're geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> we created this whole thing. We created this. <laughs> I love, love, love that you get there because it's how human beings learn, right? I mean, right. your whole journey is brilliant because as you said, Jenna, you were, you basically unschooled growing up, but yeah, back then it was just called homeschooling, right? Because yeah, exactly. There wasn't a whole industry doing homeschool curriculum and everything that you might distinguish from, right? It was just your home and learning. But then, you know, that's another really interesting piece because a lot of kids grow up unschooling and you're living your life. You're not interested in the process, right? Or understanding you know, how it works and why it works. You're just living it, right? You're feeling it. You are just yeah. doing it. Yeah. And then, but, you know, with Kate's experience, you were also being super respectful of where she was coming from. But the beautiful thing about bringing it home, instead of the learning being in school, now you started to see it, right? Like, mm -hmm. you started to see the challenges of trying to do the curriculum and how it was at odds with how everybody was feeling and what they wanted to do. And then you started seeing some great experiences, like you said, when you went out to the garden and you could see that learning actually happening when they were engaged in the moment. And it's just magical to watch your child absorb something and you see some just sparks and where we are now um, our youngest son is five and he is really interested in learning to read at an earlier age than our other kiddos have been interested and and I'm teaching him and she's doing little lessons and because he wants to and there was never an anxiety around it for him so now we're seeing the, that magic again and it's just an amazing circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. And that is such an important distinction, right? That he's curious. So yeah. you guys are playing with this around reading with him. And, you know, when he gets to the, so gets to the point that he's, you know, oh, I'm bored of this, I'm going to move on. Like it's, it looks like teaching to read, yet it's a completely different experience with unschooling when a child is asking for this and is enjoying what you guys are doing together. Right. Now, we went through a point where I was really interested in education philosophies in other countries and found out that they don't do early academic, you know, there are plenty of other countries that don't do early academics before the age of seven. Mm -hmm. So I was hesitant. No, you can't. We can't do this. You're not seven yet. You know, and I was still trying to control it for a while, <laughs> that type A part of me. And, yeah. uh, and now you're so right. He's curious. So, of course, I'm going to provide that that is mm -hmm. that is 
my job because I'm the primary, but our job in general as parents, the unschooling journey has brought us closer to attachment parenting and to gentle parenting and respecting our children's wishes. And so if he is curious to learn to read at five, of course, that's what I want to do with yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I wanted to bring up what a brilliant, brilliant thing to do. Like you said, you spent, once you guys decided to do this, you spent the next couple of years just focused on the relationships. We have a big enough family that there's enough practice, you know, there's enough people to practice how to like do conflict resolution, right? Or to like, how to respect boundaries. Different personalities that we need to learn how to work with in life, mm-hmm. just within our house, because we have so many people. Yeah. <laughs> So we spent, and we still, I mean, if we, if we are, I would say, um, controlling about anything, it is that, and it's not, it's not, I don't know that control is the right word, but we just believe so strongly. Yeah. We just believe so strongly in, um, respecting one another and being healthy in those communications. So like everybody gets pissed off, you know, everybody. And if you're, you know, just like everyone's happy. We, we, we try to tell the kids every emotion is acceptable, but it's how you treat others when you're feeling that emotion that counts. That's what matters. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a dog. So, <laughs> so we work hard, like really hard on, um, you know, that, like the, the healthy communication of, of all emotions, not just the negative ones, but of course those are the ones that are, you know, most impactful. Um, but like, and that was really, really key to our journey and it's still really present and they, and they hope that, um, families, you know, care about that and, and, um, can leverage that because it's, it's, can we time out again? It's so dogs are too loud. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. That makes, it just makes so much sense because in the end, like when, when we're talking about learning, right, as you were saying before, Kate, like, you know, we're out and we're doing things and we're doing things together. You're all a family, right? So those relationships are the foundation of it all. So to spend those ta- that time focused and, you know, some people say, oh, you know, when they're first coming to unschooling and they're worried about, oh, they'll get behind and, and that kind of stuff, you know, that, but it, it really doesn't, it really doesn't happen. I mean, just to take people's word for it when you're starting, because soon you'll discover that they're learning all the time anyway, but these are also foundational skills for life, right? How to engage with other people and work through situations in the moment and understand that, I mean, it's huge to understand that somebody else feels differently, sees things differently, and right. that's okay, right? Right. Yeah. And you can empathize and that everyone has their own perspective, but you don't you don't have to share that perspective in order to be respectful, you know, and everybody has boundaries about certain things and everybody, you know, so and it's you know, it's every day that we have to practice these skills in life. Even Kate and I every day are still practicing acceptance that everyone is different and that we need to still love their journey and love them for who they are. And that is something that will never change. We're always growing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, (laughs) it is an always growing thing. It's a, it's a, it's a human thing. And it's also always growing because 
we as human beings are, are changing and learning and growing ourselves, right? So now we're different people coming into those conversations, you know, a few months down the road. So that shifts the conversations too. So you accepting people where they are in that moment, not like, well, remember six months ago, you, you said it was okay with you or, you know, you, it didn't right. bother you. or, you know, my, my loud music didn't bother you before. Why is it bothering you? Uh-huh. To understand that and to learn that people grow and change over time. And I think you, you mentioned empathy. I think empathy and like just that compassion and understanding of other people, like those skills are just so valuable for living in the moment and, you know, a house full of eight people. Um, but even, you know, with three, with however many people living together is the point, right? Right. Yeah. And we, we talk a lot about kind of a team, it feeling like a team uh, approach, like we're all in this together. We'll all figure this out together. And that really cultivates that feeling, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, and we really focus on instead of rights, like, well, I have the right to do this because it's my gift or it's my you gave it to me or something. We focus on instead of having the right, we we want everyone to feel that they have more of a obligation to themselves. Like instead of me saying, "Well, I clean the whole house. I have a right to sit in my room and read my book and leave me alone," you know, which is what I've heard parents say all the time, you know, I don't want to be bothered. I'll say, it's, it's really my obligation to myself right now to take 20 minutes and relax. I'm feeling that I need some downtime. And they understand what that means because we model it constantly and they use that language as well, which I think is so much healthier than leave me alone. You get really frustrated. So as while my, you know, body is still in a calm state I'm able to say that to them and then we stay at a calm state they don't get anxious that mommy's mad they just hear me say I need this yeah and then they respect it so it's more about respect instead of rights mm-hmm. oh I like that I like that a lot yeah because it's it's about our needs and like you said expressing our needs and that's, that's the point is instead of uh, rights and rules where we just announce things, right? This is where we understand better. So we can explain, you know, I need 20 minutes because I'm stressed. And like you said, then they don't think it's their fault. I mean, it's just win, 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 right. when you go that direction, right? And right, I, I truly believe that opens up their brain to so much more absorption because their stress hormones are not being released and they're not going into any depressive states They're So they're able to still absorb what I'm saying. And they'll take that into further relationships in their lives yeah. and carry that respect for others. And then we advocate for each other, you know, so like, um, mm-hmm. you know, so like the kid, one of our kiddos expresses that, um, or Jenna expresses that. And, um, you know, the rest of us rally around. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So and so said they they really need. You may not have heard it, but they need this time. So let's stay out of their way and that they'll come up, you know, upstairs when they're ready or whatever. And nobody is like, oh, let's go. Everyone's like, oh, okay. I hope they feel better. Do you think there's anything we can do, mm-hmm. or should we just, you know, do our own thing? Yeah. Everyone I, is concerned. If anything, now it's like it's like 
we have to, um, we have a couple of kids that are so uh, sensitive and so sympathetic. Like they literally want to like jump in and try to solve something. <laughs> we have to be like, no, there's no problem. <laughs> like, should I go hug them? Yeah. Should, should I ask them if they need a hug? Like, or should I, you know, no, no, no. All we'll do is listen. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. Our no. Internet connection is unstable. <laughs> oh, is um, it? So we, we did. It took us a, a a while to get to the radical unschooling part, to where it was not just about education. Mm-hmm. Um, we are at a point now where it, it's a lifestyle that we live. Um, we believe in respecting children's rights. They're people now. We're not turning them into successful adults. They're successful humans where they are right now. That matters. And I, when we first heard about you and your book is when we met Tara at our first unschooling conference. Uh-huh. Um, and that was life-changing. Um, we sat in a very intimate group of maybe six or seven women for a couple of days at you now unschooling conference mm-hmm. in Geneva and just had our minds blown constantly and our hearts were exploding. Um, and we were still at a point then where we were disciplining. We were putting our kids to bed at a certain time, but we were unschooling. So we had, we had you lead the way in your education, but we're going to control when you sleep and you eat three meals a day. And we weren't respecting them fully. And this was just like, lights and sirens going off like oh my gosh you're doing it wrong like we were just listening and we thought we were doing it right and we always thought it was funny we were like we're unschoolers but we put our kids to bed at eight <laughs> like and now what is it two years are we two mm-hmm. years out from that mm-hmm. um we've evolved even more and we're just completely radical our seven-year-old is in her room she she didn't sleep all night <laughs> she stayed up doing art and dance in her room quietly while we slept and our 11 year old is downstairs playing Fortnite, and he woke up last night at 8 p.m when we were going into our room to hang out so <laughs> um we've definitely evolved significantly just in the two years from reading your book and hearing these other families speak yeah i i noticed that too like it it seems to be it's a quite a Logical, natural evolution, as you see it working so well with the more academic subjects, is to say, oh, what else are they learning? Like the realization that um, things like, uh, you know, regimented schedules for eating and sleeping and, you know, all those other life things. It's like, oh, this is a piece of learning about themselves and how they tick and their personalities, and that the those um, stricter schedules are more like curriculum in that they're learning somebody else's routine, somebody what somebody else thinks should work for them. Exactly. Right, like I was bringing my triggers around food into our environment, right? Like, so yeah. like I had this strong belief like that 
I didn't want our kids to be overweight. I really wanted them to be really healthy because I felt like it's a burden later in life. And that was my baggage that I was bringing into, into their journey. Um, and when we made that realization, it was huge for us because it was like, I can't control that for them. I may want to, I can share my perspective. I can do, you know, I can express myself in, in, you know, in a healthy way, but at the same time, this is their journey. And, and I need to support them where they are right now, you know, and that was huge for us. And we looked, you know, after that conference and after, after reading the unschooling journey, we, we talked about it for a very long time and we thought, so we spent these two or three years de-schooling and working on interpersonal relationship skills and respecting everyone. But are we really, are we really respecting their existence when we tell them it's dinner time now and bedtime in a half an hour and, and they're not hungry now? We're not. So we have more work to do. We have more work mm-hmm. to do. And they, and they're teaching us that because they're not telling us when to eat or when to go to bed. They're showing <laughs> us that they respect us more than we actually are respecting them. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's such a great point. It's, it's really true. Right. And I love the way you, you um, talked about it being working with them because it's not about, okay, we have no, no set dinner time, no set bedtime off you go. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're you're working with them, like like you were saying, Kate. You're having these conversations, you're sharing your experiences, right. you know, because you're making their world bigger by sharing that. But you're sharing it without expectation that they that they feel exactly the same way, right? right. Yeah, it's exactly. more of a connection, and it's actually stronger parenting level than just saying, "I make sure you eat at eight noon and five, and that you sleep." eight to eight or eight to seven, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not taking on this role. She's not taking on the, I pay for this. So you eat it role. Mm-hmm. We are connecting with them as humans and sharing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a dictatorship at all. It's just a team mm-hmm. like you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're just all here together for some reason. And we need to figure out how to, make that work and for the most part be happy while we're doing it well yeah that's that's it like joy and 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 feeling happy is is a great lens to look at our days because we're wanting people to feel um comfortable where they are but it is all about moving through those challenging moments those challenging moments aren't like oh darn I failed to make them happy (laughs) no they're not failure points at all right this is how we learn to engage and live within our family and then within the larger world you know yes you're all so useful skills like to think that our life is successful once everybody's happy is kind of is a fool's errand you know because then you're really trying to ignore those moments. You're trying to get through those hard moments as fast as possible because you want more of the happy moments. And you're trying to think, what was I doing when I was happy? What was I buying? Where was I at? I need to recreate it. But what we're doing, what we actually are embarking on now is um, really just living with our heart instead of our brains and, and feeling. And this has just started a few weeks ago. Um, but our next journey, which is happening in a couple of weeks, is we're going to head to Sedona and we're really going to, 
We're taking the kids on their first road schooling trip, and we're going to learn a little bit more about living joyfully from our hearts, mm-hmm. and that that's how you approach things. Rather than approaching it to find happiness, you just approach it with happiness, because that's where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, in the moment, in the moment. Yeah. We're talking about yeah. that so much. Getting, <laughs> We're talking about that in the network right now. Get out of your heads and into the moment, because no matter what's going on in the moment, like you said, with your kids, you know, I found them to be such a great guide because if I can get out of my head and whatever's swirling in there and just go hang out with them fully in the, there's joy and fun there. Right. (laughs) Of course I can look at the house and think, okay, I have like six chores I need that I would like to get done before I felt good about sitting down. But all of my kids are in this kitchen let's turn on some music because we do have to make dinner. And now because we've modeled it so much, you know, just the other day, the 11 year old opened up the dishwasher, the five year old jumped on the counter. He handed him dishes. They were putting them away. The 15 year old was chopping, being a sous chef, you know, and then I had the 12 year old just talking to me while they were on their phone. Like we were all just together working and, we weren't hiking. We weren't doing art. We weren't doing something that cost money. We were just in the moment, but we were happy. Yes. And it's about those daily living skills that you need. You know, they are mundane things that need to be done, but you can approach them with joy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to quickly add is that you can um, find a way to, to, to so I, I feel like some unschooling parents sometimes or, or homeschooling parents feel a little drained, you know, um, at points because you're uh, with your kids. So not you're, you know, you're, it's overstimulating to have all this energy around you. Right. Mm-hmm. You can, if, if you, if you follow your heart and you follow your own, um, boundaries and needs, you know, you can create what you need. So like, we have no problem mm-hmm. with telling our kiddos like, Hey, tonight we're going we just want to chill with each other and have some time and talk. And yeah. we're going in our rooms. At, at, we respect our relationship and we try to teach them to respect their relationships as well. Like, right. It's not that we love you any less. And that's going back to like that. I need the 20 minute break or whatever. We take it even deeper. Right. Like you don't have to go to sleep, but we want to watch a movie alone tonight. <laughs> it has nothing to do with not wanting to hang out with you, but we miss being with each other. And they're like, okay, we understand. And they actually ask, is that how all marriages are? Is that romance? What does that mean? Like, why do you, (laughs) what do you get out of it? Like, we've had the kids ask, you know, why can't I be in here? What is the difference of me being in here and and not? And we're able to explain the love that we share for each other is different than the love we share with you in a certain way. And we Mm want to connect on that level to be better parents. And, you know, sometimes that's acceptable. And sometimes we have to dive in for an hour before we get that time, but we're willing to put in the effort. (laughs) Stay and leave us alone. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. You figure it out together. Like this is our need, you know, you can unschool and you can practice this way of living, but it, it really doesn't mean anything if you don't respect your own boundaries and your own needs because you're modeling that to your kids 
So if I'm constantly giving to them throughout the day and she's working 12 hours and then we're stressed out because we gave to them, what are they really learning? Sure, we're showing them that they can have whatever they want and we are dedicated to them, but they're not learning how to treat themselves. They're seeing, oh, my mom gives all day until she's burnt out. That's what I must do probably, you know? And so... Exactly. They're learning. They're always learning, right? Exactly. And good. We're, we're modeling these things. And that's what I love the give and take because also there are seasons, right? There will be seasons when one or two kids need a lot more. They're needing attention. They're needing energy. And we are, you know, not connecting as much, you know, with our partners maybe, or not having as much quiet time. But it's also a choice we're making because we know a child is is needy in that moment. And we know over the flow of the seasons, we will also have times when we're going to get, we're going to look around and like, there's no kids. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just last night, our five-year-old said, I'm, I'm willing to go in my room and watch my tablet for a while, but I want to sleep with you guys tonight. And we were like, that was not on, that was not on our agenda for the evening. <laughs> but it was Friday night. Like we were ready to hang out. We, were, you know, we wanted to have like a working. date. Yeah. <laughs> but like after we looked at it and, and quickly connected about it with love, we were like, right, you know, that makes sense. And <laughs> Thanks for, he's like, he said, you know. You I just guys, don't want to be alone tonight. And you guys can have a long time. I'll go in my room until I'm ready to sleep. And then I'll just come sleep in your bed. So he did. He went in his room and he came in like two hours later and went to sleep and it was perfect. Yeah. And we were like, let's go to sleep. (laughs) He respected what we needed and we respected what he needed and he's five. Like it's just natural now for us. Uh Um, But there are moments that, you know, um, your human emotions take over and it doesn't come out the way you want it to come out and you do get frustrated and as long as you have a good foundation of respect, it's easy to express, whoa, I have this like overwhelming frustration feeling and that's not me and I'm really sorry. And you explain it and you work it out and you're not justifying it, but you're, you're explaining it and you're apologizing. And, that's, yeah. uh-huh. and I think like to put that expectation on ourselves that we're going to be perfect all the time. That is just like way too much. Like you said, we're human, but what, again, modeling for them, like, cause as adults with interactions with other adults, we're not always perfect. Like this is a human thing, right? And to be able to apologize, explain like, you know, again, it wasn't your fault. I was, you know, stressed about this other thing, or I was really tired or, you know, whatever the real you know, reason, if you, if you understand where it came from, to be able to explain that quickly, apologize, it's the reconnection after that's the important piece, right? Because you've got that foundation yeah. of trust, you can reconnect, they can understand in the moment. And again, it's more learning about being human, that they don't take that expectation, expectation that they're supposed to be perfect as an adult too, right? Yeah, oh. and then again, we go back to stress and they're not operating on that fight or flight level when they do feel it they're they're, they realize oh that was just a stressful moment I can go back now and make it right right yes 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 to to feel you know if they feel so embarrassed and horrible about it then then that stops them from reconnecting again right so 
So to not vilify having a, having a rough moment, but right. you said apologize, explain and reconnect and move forward makes it shows them that it's okay. It's okay. Right. And, and when they know that's acceptable as they get older too, when they're having rough moments, they are also more likely to come to us and talk to us about them because we know we're not going to judge them as bad things because we haven't gotten mad and judged ourselves as a bad thing, you know, so it goes full circle. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We should probably move on to the next question. (laughs) But, um, yeah, we've talked about this quite a bit. Um, connecting and supporting our kids. Um, and so I wanted to dive a bit more into supporting their interests because when you're newer to unschooling, that can be a challenging thing. Like, because we're still seeing learning through that kind of schoolish curriculum lens. So, you know, maybe we're seeing we're seeing it as field trips, you know, we need to go to the right. science center, we need to go here and we need to hit all these exhibits and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so it is really refreshing, kind of mind blowing to start looking at other ways um, to engage with our kids and to just be in relationship with them. So, yeah, I was hoping you guys could talk a little bit more about some of the ways you help your kids explore the world and their interests. Yeah, Tara said you guys are awesome at this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so, you know, we've already spoke about how it, it wasn't always like this. So yeah, yeah. But we're talking about present day, yeah. like how we help them now. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yes, field trips and everything are wonderful. Uh, in times of COVID, that's not really yeah. uh, our cup of tea. We, we really yeah. don't like to do public places right now if we don't have to. So we are finding alternate routes, but let's just, I'm going to dive into our 11 year old who's obsessed with video games because that is a big stigma right now. Like it's controversial. What, you know, I see in a lot of Facebook groups, all my kiddo wants to do is play Minecraft or play this and yeah, let let them and ask them questions about that. That's finally what we did. It's really hard because I don't have interest in Fortnite, but so when I hear someone talking about it for an hour and a half, I'm kind of drained. <laughs> um, but I, I really have to refocus and look at it with love and say, this is his interest. So what can I do to, sh-? because I love him and this is what people do for me when they love me, what can I do to show my support and how can this help him learn? So I go down in his room and I ask him what he's doing. Um, I ask him to describe to me what he feels when he is successful at a game. Um, I he, we're at the point now to where he comes up and he says, "Come down, you gotta you gotta say hi to one of my friends," and and I'll put on his headphones and talk to these people that he's <laughs> connecting with. Um, and so I think what we do to to help our kids explore their interests is we show interest in them. Um, we really put passion into it. So when I, when I have some of my downtime or I'm just hanging out with myself, I think, Oh, you know what? Oscar mentioned that he's really interested in body movement. I'm going to look up different dances and I found parkour, which he already knew about. And I didn't know cause he hadn't shared that with me. He just said, I like body movement and he flips around all the time when we're outside 
And so I did some research and I said, hey, what about parkour? And you said, I love parkour, you'll let me do that? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, of course, it looks perfect for you. And we connected and then now he, you know, he did some parkour videos online and when before COVID, he took some classes. And so it's really just about having interest in your kids and what, and what they're doing. And their passions. And then you can put anything in their path. That's what I do with my wife. She says, hey, I really have interest in learning about this uh, musical artist. I look it up because I love her and I want to know about the musical artist. And mm -hmm. I find a concert and I take her to it because that's what you do when you love someone, right? Mm -hmm. You show interest. So that's what we do with our kids. Mm -hmm. Wow. And we try really hard not to have hangouts on fleeting things, right? Because, um, uh, you know, your interests change and your journey is, you know, ever flowing. So, like, if you, you know, like, most of our kiddos actually do, like, dive into something for a long time. Mm -hmm. But um, if they don't, if they have, if they, you know, are like, okay, I tried it and I don't like it, you know, like we, we, we try really hard not to have personal hangups around that. You know, like, say, do you, do you want to try it again? Maybe in six months or a year when you have different skills, would you be interested in revisiting it? And if they say, usually they say yes, because they don't feel pressure and that, mm -hmm. um, and if they say, no, like, this is absolutely not for me, then it's absolutely not for them. But who knows? Nobody can really say that. Maybe they're interested in it in five years. Uh, but I've learned back, never say never. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. And going back to teaching boundaries and respect and saying what we need. So our 11-year-old plays video games all day long. It's, he loves it. But we tell him, hey, we're going on a family vacation. We'd really like you to come with us. You can say my father lives with us as well. Um, so, so there's we actually, actually nine, nine in our home right now. Um, <laughs> we say, you know, Papa's going to be here. So you have the opportunity to stay home, but we'd really like you to come. These are the things we're doing. And maybe you can stay half the time Papa would bring you and then bring you home. And he thinks about it and he says, I, I want to be with you guys when you're outside. I want to see you having fun. I want to be a part of that. And so he's really learned to embody that respect for mm -hmm. others as well, but while respecting his own needs. He says, I only want to come for three days, and then I want to come back and do what I want. Yeah. And so I think just really respecting your children's passion, and even if that is a video game, that teaches them so much more about life than saying, no, it, it's, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a game. It's this. Right. Um, and then we work really hard to do research and put things in their path. Mm -hmm. You know, our five-year-old is interested in reading. So I showed him a couple of, I, here's what's on phonics, their index cards, their YouTube videos. Like, what, how do you want to do it? And he wanted to do it all. So we did it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. You know, I think when you talked about, having a passion for our child like to passionately support their passion like we don't need to be particularly interested in the interest but yeah. like so much grows out of being passionate about them and what they're right, right. yeah <sighs> getting to understand them right like them, their existence how they see life how they interpret life how they feel life if you are passionate about 
your family members, it's easy. It really is because you want to excite them. You want to bring more joy. Excitement. Yeah. Excitement to do it. Uh It's just like when you give a gift, I think you get more out of gifting than receiving. I receive pure joy when I put something in their path that they are like, Oh yes. You know, Uh (laughs) I I think that is such, it's such a, can be such a small distinction. I think at first when you come to it, because it's like, I'm going to, you know, put things in front of my uh, kid's path and I want them to be excited about it. Yet we are not yet quite there and we're putting things in their path that we hope they will like. That we would be interested in. That we wish they were interested in, right? Like, well, if I was interested in race cars, I would want to do this. And they're like, ooh. I'm like, but you love race cars. Right. What's wrong? (laughs) No, it's all about really seeing it through their eyes, right? Who they are as a human being, right? Because then you see what, because you know what? We know from any interest, you can take it anywhere. Right. Race cars can be a window to the whole world. I mean, there's, there's, there's math in there. There's speeds. There's the physics of the racetracks, the history of it. There's where all the different races are. So there's geography. Like there's everything. If race cars is your passion, you can go everywhere, but where would they like to go? Not, Oh gee, I really hope they're interested in the math part. So I'm going to bring all this physics stuff and, and different speeds. But they're interested in the mechanical part. You know, they want to know how it goes that fast. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, in the beginning of our journey, this was actually, you know, when we look back now, the kids were teaching us very early on. They were, ent- we, we lived in Milwaukee um, and there was a big building, it's the U.S. Bank building, and it was the tall, at the time the tallest building in Milwaukee um, or in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And the kids just loved it because Kate worked downtown and they'd stare at it every time and they said, Mama, we want to learn more about it. And so I just looked it up and I said, okay, do you want to take a tour? You can, you can walk around. So we did that. And they got to go up to the highest point. And, they, and at, while we were there, one of our kiddos, you know, seven or five at the time said, um, how did this get built? And I said, oh, so that's called an architect. And they were like, what's that word? And we looked it up. Can we... Can anybody be an architect? No. How do they do it? And we dove into the U.S. Bank building, I'd say, for three or four months, a seven, a five, and a three-year-old. And we ended up building a U.S. Bank building out of cardboard. And they had they same all wanted to be architects. Same level of floor. Thing. Yeah. Like, it was, um, what is the term I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. It was. <laughs> it was basically scale like oh like, yeah yeah um and it was there was so much that I learned about the U.S. bank building <laughs> and <laughs> different architects and now we know about Frank Lloyd Wright and they want to go you know and it's that was where very first experiences our, our oldest was seven he's 15 now eight years later we're still looking when we look at VRBOs Ooh, who's the architect on that one? Let's find a cool one to stay in. Right. You know, and there's still some passion there. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, it can, it is. And when you're open to it, right. And, and taking those little clues, answering the questions, like this building's really cool. But when they were asking the questions, you guys took that. So it's, 
it is being respectful of what they're curious about, right? And look where it goes. You know, we can also just give one word answers and, you know, move on. But the point of unschooling is to really dive into um, all the, the pieces of the world that our kids are curious about because they're putting together their view of how the world works, which is just so beautiful. Like you said, like even now this comes up, they're still connecting things back to it. They really learn that stuff because they still remember it, right? And it still connects. And learning through movement. We really believe in learning through movement. Um, and, and some of our kids don't believe that. Like, you know, when you're sitting down playing video games, you're still learning, even if you're sitting for 10 hours. But <laughs> um, they were so physically involved in this, and I think it just really helped them absorb it. And like you said, they're learning about how the world works around them. They now know that Frank Lloyd Wright was a passionate architect, and they learned about someone else's passion in the world and how that person took their passion and became successful. Right. And... goes back to fueling that world would be magical if you do that look at this architect you know and look what he did yeah no exactly it just shows it just shows them how important you feel their passions are like whatever it is it just it, it helps them feel seen by seeing other people too right like how they how they went through the world i love that so I was curious if you guys could share some tips about just navigating your days with six kids. <laughs> you know, there are people with larger families. I get, I get, uh, you know, questions pretty regularly about that because, you know, when you're trying to meet your kids' needs and you've got a larger number of kids, it, it can be hard to kind of figure out your way through that. I think part of it is too because you're you know you kind of see your kids as silos and I've got six kids and they've got six different interests you know how am I going to fit that right. into my day so I thought it would be great if you guys could share a bit about that definitely we've been asked this a lot by uh, quite a few families who have embarked on homeschooling journeys um, and like okay so tell me how you do it with six kids so we kind of have the answers down <laughs> yeah <laughs> perfect <laughs> yeah. and it's really about teamwork. So if I say, you know, the kids really want to go to the waterfalls for the day. And so, okay, I'll wake you guys up at 10. I'll make sure we're out the door. This is important to you. And I wake them up at 10 and they're just kind of, oh, but they want to go. But I know before I go, I need to feed the dogs or the dogs need to be fed. Not that I need to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, the dogs need to go out. We have to take care of the cats. We have to do certain things. And they're all just sitting there in any normal situation. I think a parent would say like, I'm doing all of this for you guys so we can go somewhere and you're doing nothing and you get angry and resentful and, and I've been there and she's been there mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel right. So we really take a teamwork approach. Hey, the night before, if you guys want to go, great, but this is what we'll have to do. Just remember. And now mm -hmm. we've done that so many times that they tell us. So they'll say, hey, tomorrow we all want to do this. I'll, they make a plan. Mom, we'll wake you up at 10. Or I'm going to go to bed by midnight because I, I yeah. think if I need, I need like nine, like Luca literally said this last night. Like I, I like like nine hours of sleep. Yeah, but so, I want to be up um, and I need to be able to help you. I'll do the dogs and they'll say like, can you do the cats? 
And it really is just focusing on that teamwork. And that's if we have a plan for the day and we need to do something. And so if there's not a plan and we're just in the house, um, we just ask, what do you want to do today? What are you feeling? Because it's really about some days you feel academic and some days you feel lazy and some days you want to go explore. And, and when they have different avenues that they want to take, um, it gets a little tricky. But luckily, we're really blessed that Kate works from home. So when they, we have two or three kids that want to stay home, great, stay home. She's here if you need anything. Right. But they're pretty self-sufficient. Um, I'm going to take the ones that want to go out, and we're going to go do this. And maybe one of them that wants to go to the waterfalls, and the other one really wanted to go to the museum. So we compromise, like, you know, we're going to go to the museum first and get some books from the waterfalls. And then we'll spend like an hour there on the way home at the waterfall, whatever. Um, so it's really just, again, back to respect, trying to respect our own boundaries and needs for the day while giving what they need to them mm-hmm. um, and having them do the same for us. Um, if it's a day at home and I'll say, okay, well, you know, what do you guys want for breakfast? We all go in and usually one of us will make breakfast. One of us will do the dishes. We'll sit down and eat, talk about what we're going to do and just take our own paths. It's just a well-oiled machine at this point, (laughs) but it wasn't, it's never like you have to unload the dishwasher. It's okay. Well, if you want me to make omelets, the dishwasher, all the pans are in the dishwasher. Who wants to do that real quick? And then I want omelets. So, you know, they raise their hand, like I'll do it. (laughs) And then, the little kids are really interested in cracking the eggs. So they're like, Ooh, I want to help. Right. And it's just, yeah, it's easy at this point. Yeah. But you, it, you have, you have to hold, not hold on to it too tightly. Right. You have to, you have to release your expectations unless they're super important to you, you know, but like, if they don't feel fuel your, your desires, then you need to release them, you know, like, and go with the flow because, um, because there is no other option, <laughs> like, you know, uh, you otherwise you're just disappointed people. a lot. <laughs> right. And if you disappoint your kids and then you feel like a failure that night and then you go to sleep with that energy, it's just, you know, that's a cycle that you're going to dive into and, and it, you're going to feel like a failure and most likely you're going to fail and you're going to have, you know, you're going to be depressed or it's just going to lead to a, somewhere you don't, a dark place. Mm-hmm. And so we really try to just, live joyfully in the moment. So if this is a day where oh, I'm just exhausted, but the kids really want to do this, I tell them I could probably go for a couple of hours. So instead of taking the two hour trip to that hiking place, could we just like go somewhere locally? I'm really tired and I'm going to sit in a tree while you guys explore. And so I'm still getting what I need, but they're getting what they need. Um, and if they have questions, great, but they're like, oh, mom's tired and she's just resting under the tree. I'm going to answer my own questions now or save them for later. Mm-hmm. And it's just that respect that we've all have in our foundation. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, it really does go back to, like you talked about, the focus for those first couple of years on the interpersonal relationships. Right. right? Like that truly does set the foundation where you can more easily navigate all these moments because respectfully and because everybody feels heard and understood and, 
and communication skills are are up there and and being able to like you said share your needs and have them be part of the mix as you figure out a way through it right in how everybody is today and that that go with the flow thing was always such a big thing too but you learn that by not going with the flow enough times you know, and trying to like, this is your plan, we're going to do it, you know, and, and then realizing how you feel at the end of the day, which is horrific, and nobody really enjoyed it anyway. It's like, oh, yeah, that wasn't (laughs) right. And, you know, unfortunately, we still have those times, I still have those moments that take over. And Kate actually is a lot better at reading her own needs and my needs and saying, no, like, you didn't sleep well. You're exhausted. We just got back from vacation. They don't need to go today. They just want to, but they'll be fine. Tell them what you need. And I I have a hard time stepping back from that role of giving. And that's something like that's- she's like the ultimate caretaker, right? So like if she cares from, from two or three of her of her kiddos, you know, that they want to do this. That that like desire to to give them to and push my own needs away is overbearing. Yeah, and I have to sometimes remind her like, whoa, remember like, which is your tank is not full right now. So yeah, fill your tank first and, and tell them that. And I think having a support person to do that is key when you are unschooling, um, whether that be a partner, a parent, a best friend, an older child that you develop that relationship with that can read you. Um, or if you're, you know, you're really in tune with yourself and good at it, but like if you are a primary caregiver, having someone being a telling you like, no, it's okay. It's okay to take this time is key. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, that role of caretaker, caregiver to include yourself in that mix right? We, we see our kids and we're putting it all, you know, we want to um, do all we can with and for them. Right. But uh, that mental shift to put ourselves also in that, it's, it's, it's a hard one. So like you said, it is so good to be able to have someone else who can help point us, point that out to us when it looks to them like we are, you know, erring on the side. And even if we still choose to do it, taking that moment to realize that we're getting low in energy or, you know, whatever it is, and to realize, okay, I'm choosing to do this, but tomorrow I'm really going to need to take that down day. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And expressing that and, and really respecting it for yourself so you don't feel like a failure and so that your kids really understand I'm giving this to you, but tomorrow I really, I really need this. And this is, this is what I need to keep doing this, to keep thriving. And, yeah. and uh-huh. I respect that. I mean, like, I don't want to go, I mean, we're just two humans, you know, but I think it's, it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting aspect that we're both women and we can understand um, the the ebbs and flows of being a, in a female body, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there's there is a difference in you know how our cycles and how our energies work. You mm-hmm. know, um, 
as females than as... And we uh, both identify um, she, her, so that we really embody that female cycle. Both right. of us really strongly do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so but we're able to, like, you know, say to each other, you know, like, I, I, I'm going to have my period soon, so I know my energy is going to be down, and, like, we know exactly what that means, you know? It's not like... <laughs> But we, we're teaching, you know, we have, um, mainly boys, we have four boys, we have three boys, oh, three boys. two girls and a non-binary kiddo. Um, and so we are teaching all of them that even, you know, if it's a menstrual cycle or it's your energy is low, you, you need to say that and then respect that your body does take over sometimes, you know, and you have to go with that. Yes. Um, and so we do teach the kiddos and they will say mom are you tired today or do you have your period like what's going on and really respecting the human body for what it is and what might be happening mm-hmm. in that and in the mental shift that you talked about mm-hmm. what else is going on yeah yeah so great looking at energy right like they can they can feel yeah. our energies right and to, to bring that out and talk about that because those are real aspects in our lives. They're all part of the flow of, of, of what we can do in our days, right? So understanding that piece is so helpful. And really going back to that support person, and I, and I do mean, that, you know, you don't need another, you don't need to be married to a woman for, to, to be understood. <laughs> you don't need to have a, a partner. Our 12-year-old is at the point where they will notice my exhaustion level and say, I think you need to go in your room for a couple hours. I'm going to take, you know, the Zabie, who's five, out to, to play. Like, and really showing them that, right? right? Yep. And what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say that whole, I was going to go down a whole nother train, but oh. connected to our bodies. And like, we just went through this really incredible thing where um, Jenna was a surrogate for one of our friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so sweet yeah it was a traditional surrogacy um Mm -hmm. that we did at home for wonderful friends and it was beautiful but it was very hard on my body um Mm -hmm. and it was really interesting so like we're a family you know we have six kids and all from ages three to 15 right so they are in all different stages of of life the got to experience um, the the pregnancy from a whole different level and be a part of it, and it was very and it very was cool, magical, and teaching them that sometimes we have to not do what we want to do that day. Like you know, you said, how do you give them what they want every day? Sometimes you don't have to do that. They have to do that themselves. Like we embarked on that journey because one of the reasons why we embarked on that is because Jenna loved being pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. Like she had these three amazing pregnancies. Um, and we thought it would be like a walk in the park and, and, and it wasn't. And, it, and she, <laughs> we wanted, we had received the, the, this as a gift, right? So like we actually mm-hmm. use, you know, we use donors for two of our kiddos mm-hmm. and, um, and conceived at home and, um, so we wanted to return it to the universe in a way, you know, and give back that energy and in, in forms of respect and, and teaching the kids in our unschooling journey that it isn't just about academics. You can return to the earth 
what you're given in multiple ways. Um, and so that's what we decided to do. But it was a very big learning experience. We took it from, we, they learned anatomy. Like, they're really interested in, okay. <laughs> so we know how we were made, um, two of our kiddos were made with, you know, donor sperm. And, but how is this happening? Like, <laughs> because it is our, they call our friend uncle, you know, uncle and aunt. So it's, you know, uncle's baby and your genetic baby, but you're, you're not, you don't feel connected. This is not our sister. And it really, we went from like conception to energies to like everywhere with this unschooling journey to respect to my body because it was so hard at the end. I could barely, I could barely walk. I had to have a couple inversions. She was breached multiple times. Um, and to the point where I couldn't give them what they needed during the day. And, and it took a toll on my mental health, my emotional, physical mm-hmm. being. And, and mind you, our expectations were completely different. So we had talked this up. I mean, it took a, a year or so to conceive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the whole process, we were talking this up. Like, this is going to be fine. Maybe because we're going to be wonderful. Be and everyone was like, Ooh! Right? And then, and then it happened totally and they were like, everyone was like, no, this isn't wonderful. But as we came full circle, she's four months old now, they were able to see, wow, we gave so much and look what it produced. Our kids gave during that pregnancy. They, you know, so I can't count the number of times that one of them cooked meals for the younger ones or me or ran me a bath and watched the younger ones because I could not function and I still had to work and she had to work and And I changed my work schedule to accommodate and it taught them so much about life and and I think it taught us a little bit about giving and when it's time to give to yourself so that was our ultimate gift to the universe and now we are going to focus on ourselves and it's a bigger scale of what we do during the day um, we give and give, and then at night we say, okay, now we need to downtime or whenever we need that downtime. And this was bigger scale for us. Yeah. We gave on our biggest energy level that we could. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to focus on our own mental and physical health. Uh-huh. I love, I love thinking it as seasons, right? Like our life, yeah. our lives really do flow in seasons. And that was a season for, for you guys. And there will be, you know, other seasons when I'm thinking of, you know, kids and health issues, parents with health issues, like whatever they are, whatever they stem from, right? And that that we adjust as a family, like, because now the context, the constraints have changed for a while or are changing for a while and see what we can do. And because you have those relationships with them, right? And and you've never tried to manipulate them to get extra care or something like that. You know what I mean? It's never been a thing that you, an expectation that you've put on them before. They can now choose to support you, right? Yeah. It, it, it wasn't an obligation. It wasn't an expectation on them. It, this was just reality. This is how life is. Right. For now, and you know, let's do the best that we can with the way it is, right? And they were learning. They were learning how to, you know, care for, you know, 
a spouse in the future or us when we're elderly or a hurt dog we find on the side of the road. It's all about that love and really approaching things with joy. So even though I couldn't move and I wasn't giving my kids what they needed and she was stressed about work, we felt joyful in our hearts. We felt like this was love. This was just pure love and white energy that we were radiating out. And it might have been hard to get there. And it's as, as is everything. You don't just jump in and know exactly what you're doing. And you can't predict how well it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's so important. One of the hu- biggest, hugest realizations is that there are joyful moments in even the hard times. Right? Right. Beautiful moments, even in the hardest of our times. And, right. you know, when um, one of our kids... Um, lost a pet and to this day that brings tears to his eyes but teaching him the emotion that it's okay to grieve loss um is magical in itself is instead of oh we'll get another cat and just like forget about it and or it was just a cat or whatever you want to say teaching him to respect that emotion that he's feeling and to feel it and observe it and and how to heal from it is learning Mm -hmm. this is all about the unschooling journey Mm -hmm. so much so much that's beautiful and yeah I find you know so often parents when they first hear about unschooling and and they're like but kids have to learn that life is hard right and they're like you know why are you helping them do all the things and but truly, when you step back and you're really living your day, hard moments come. Hard moments are part of life. You don't have to create hard moments for them. Right. Exactly. Hard moments come. And I think we went through a very hard moment with that last pregnancy. And we made it out wonderfully because we all respected that what it was. It was a hard moment. And some people gave when they could and then the others stepped out and stepped in and we just yeah. worked as a team. And, and that's what happened when my, my mom passed away three years ago, I had never been taught how to deal with a hard moment. I had never gone through that hard of a moment and it was a struggle. And usually I'm the primary caregiver and I just like left and was unable to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I checked out mentally and emotionally I was going through the moments, but Kate and the kids stepped up again and they were able to get me through that, you know, and they were the, they were my primaries. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we reversed roles. And mm-hmm. I think that lesson that they learn is, it's not just about the, the, comedy movie we watch it's not just about the time we were all laughing and swimming it's about every moment right. in our lives if that's washing dishes if that's grieving the loss of someone um whatever that is that's our moment and we're supposed to be in it just you know learn from it respect it observe it you know, and I think something that we learn in those moments, as well as the others, that they also learn from them is how capable they are. Like right at the beginning, you said, you know, my kids are full kids now. They, I'm not waiting for them to grow into adults, right? 
They are capable of so much. And when we give them that space and that trust and that respect to step into what they choose to step into, and even when they're choosing not to, that's wonderful to respect because that's how they feel in that moment. Like, I, I can't step into that. And to respect that to, shows them that they are capable of making the best choices for them in the moment. Right. And trust. that there's no right, wrong choice, but that they've got that space to step in and out. Both are capable. Like, the, the idea of children are capable is not that they can do things. I mean, they can't. It's, it's to the choice, right? That point about trust, that is a a big key in Mm -hmm. unschooling. Yep. It really is. And reminding ourselves that um, just, just by the pure physics of it and just by, you know, the yin and yang, you know, you don't know what good is without the bad. You know, you need that. You need it, unfortunately, you know, like, but it, and you have to make mistakes to learn. (laughs) Otherwise, what would be the point? You know, you just automatically grab everything, so you automatically know it. Like that's not how it works. That's and not how it works. Where would passions come from? Right. Where? Yeah. Right. Like full. All those moments are are valuable. All those moments we learn so much. We learn so much of what we're capable of. We're capable of saying, "I can't handle any more of this. I need to check out for a bit." Like seeing all those moments in action and participating in them is, is just so much valuable learning and, and growth and just knowledge that you can take, that they take with them, not only to moving through the moment and seeing how they can, they can be in those moments, in those hard moments. They can even again, choosing not to like, not feeling like they can give a lot in that moment they also see how other people have stepped up, right? So they can also trust that other people will step up for them when they're having hard moments, right? And and they can make different choices next time. That's that's the beauty of, of this being focused on living in our life. It's not like, okay, you've got these 18 years and I need to stuff everything into you in these 18 years. No, there are so many moments that they're going to be able to make different choices and see what happens and see how it feels. I think that connecting that um, as people are listening, you know, listening to this, I'm thinking if I were listening to this podcast and I were even in my first year or my second year, I might be thinking like, this is for veteran unschoolers. This isn't for me. But if you really listen and connect it to academics, um, our 11 year old is not a proficient reader yet. Um, Our five year old reads better than him. He's never had any interest in reading. But he has so much support from all of these moments in life where other people stepped up for him or he stepped up for others that he finally, you know, he's, he's been on a journey. He had a little bit of interest at age nine. I thought we were ready. And I posted pictures like, Ooh, look at us unschooling. And, and then he dropped off. He's like, no, I'm not, I don't want to anymore. Um, <laughs> and then we did it again a year later and, and now we're back to doing it again. Um, so he, um, he's a problem solver and these moments of life where you respect boundaries and you teach people that sometimes you have to give and sometimes you have to take and, or it's okay. And uh, it teaches you problem solving. And so this child that is not proficient at reading, he's probably, if you were going to say traditional, a kindergarten level, um, 
he can sound out some things. He is a prof proficient video game player and so good at it that he had one of these like top name billionaires reach out to him and he was able to figure out how to like navigate this on Instagram and he, so well so he keeps dropping off because he's so good at problem solving he didn't need reading to be successful in his passion <laughs> and it was just recently I would say two weeks ago that he finally came to me and said really frustrated I did something wrong and I I thought he was talking about a behavioral issue that he was worried about and we talked about it and, he, and it, it turned out it was about reading he said this person who's really good, you know, they, they were talking about Fortnite and they were following my live stream. And then I, I didn't know what it said and I responded wrong and I've been embarrassed and I need to read. And I, and I said, I can see you're really frustrated and I'm here for you and let's, let's do it. Let's read. But he, and he, he said, which was the biggest awareness of, of our unschooling journey that I thought, wow, he, he really is taught to listen to his inner self is I made it this far and I've been so successful that I really didn't think I needed it, but I need it now. <laughs> I need to go to my next level. So will you help me? And that, that aha moment of, you know what you need right. and you want it. And no one's going to ask him when he's 30, how old he was when he learned how to read or when he applies for a job. Right. So I don't care that he's not proficient. He wants it now. He has a desire. He's yeah. a passionate-led learner that now is, yeah, teach me. No, I, I love, I love, I love that story because it's so true. Like in school, being able to read is super important from the youngest grades because that is the main communication. And letter recognition at age two, right? Like in traditional, like, yeah. 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 But now reading – when you're out in the world, there are so many other ways to bring in information. Like, like he said, that was not something that was in his way. Like not being able to read until 11 has not gotten in his way because there are so many other ways to get what, we, what we're interested in learning, what we're passionate about, how we can, you know, explore things. There's just so many other ways than reading, right? And I love that it's it was just okay for him to like even his understanding that I didn't need it, right? I can I can I can be totally successful in the things that I was interested in. And now he's coming across a moment when it's like, you know what, this would be I think this would be a useful skill for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now he's coming to a point too. Because brains develop so differently. Like, and some, imagine in school, he would have been shamed for years at the challenge that it was for him. But maybe now his brain is ready for that and it's going to come together for him. Right? One of the kiddos that never had to sit in a classroom and didn't have to um, develop these complexes and feel low self esteem because exactly. his brain wasn't developing the way the other 29 kids were. You know, <laughs> He is a different being, and he always has been, and he just embodies this wonderful energy, and it's just so different than anyone else we've ever met. Mm -hmm. And and he finally was able to say, yep, now I'm ready. And he didn't care that his five-year-old sister at the time was sounding out words, and he doesn't care now that his five-year-old brother can read sentences. 
it never bothered him because mm -hmm. he didn't need that skill. Right. And, and now he does, you know, and we have kids across the board. Our 15 year old is signing up for the free MIT lessons online and reads trilogies in two days and like, you know, 900 page chapter books. And, and we, we give him books and books and books because that's what he wants. But we don't force that on everyone because that's not what they want. Right. That's the beauty, you know, the beauty of, of connecting with each other and learning about each other is just this wonder at how different we all are as human beings and how cool each one of us is in our totally unique combination of all this stuff, right? right. Yeah, and once right. we talk about that, they want to know, so how are we created? And then we get to dive into biology and chemistry and look at how the brain works. And we're all learning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so awesome. Okay, I would love to know what is your favorite thing right now, of just about the flow of your unschooling days. What's your favorite thing about your life right now? Oh, my favorite thing right now is the um, where we are. Like, we are in a wonderful place like on our journey where we are embodying everything that we've ever talked about read learned we're just in a really blissful just, spot right now right now like so so we're like sucking it up everyone is in their passion moments I think it's the time of year fall is always a creative time change in our family we really take in from nature it shows us you know it's changing but it's beautiful um, and we all change around this time. Kate's usually really creative and successful with work or in the fall. The kids are always interested in um, what the can change. the change. And we, um, so right now we are changing our routine, which is interesting. And it's my favorite part. So mm -hmm. the kids do their own routine. And, um, but usually every night, Kate and I go in our room around eight, eight thirty. We hang out for a couple hours and she goes to bed by 10 usually because she wakes up early for work. And I'm, I'm just naturally a really morning person. Like that's just who I am. And, and, and my circadian rhythm is completely different, but I've adapted to her because we love, you know, just being together. And so I, you know, I go to sleep early. Um, and recently we've decided to respect everyone's circadian rhythms. And um, I will stay up with the kids until, uh, I want to go to sleep. And so I'm doing some more creative work on my end, which is inspiring the kids to be creative. And Kate's behind all of it because she said a few weeks ago, I have to get up at five. I'm in a creative mode for work and I have to focus. I'm sorry, but I have to go to bed early. And I thought I need to respect that. She's so good at this and she's, you know, fueling our family and providing this. And I thought, what if we all did this? Let's all use our creative moments for a higher purpose. So that's where we are right now. And that's what I think we're all really enjoying is respecting our own rhythms and still finding ways to connect, but it not being like it, it everybody has, their, it's just organic and we're all in really creative spots right now. So it's been really fun. Yeah. So um, we're doing lots of art and lots of traveling. And I think we're just at the point that we always, wanted to be we're doing podcasts with you we're we've reached the bliss but like you said that in the very beginning it's not now everyone's happy so now what 
we're happy. So now we are at the point to where we are ready to take it all in. We have expelled so much of our negative energy and got it got rid of what's the societal norms that were placed in our head. We finally reached that point of openness. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that so much. I love, I love that description and looking at just through the creativity lens, like you were saying there, that's, that, that's looking at it through uh, on an energy kind of level, right? Like really embracing where, you know, typical night owls and, you know, early birds and, you know, what, but, but through each person's unique rhythm for that, right? Rather than kind of defining it, how it goes, you're feeling it out, right? It's like, you were about to say, I'm staying up until, and, and Jenna, you were about to try and give it time. And then it's like, but I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm not forcing it. It's really more, it's just more evolution, which keeps happening. First, we, you know, the kids were able to just focus on their own creative moments and their own circadian mm-hmm. rhythms. And, and now I'm thinking, I need to do that too. I need to model that and I need to respect what I need. And mm-hmm. she needs to respect what she needs. And so she can go to bed at nine, but I don't have to, even though we love each other so much. And that's been, we've done this, you know, for over 10 years, we've gone to bed together at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's okay. And it doesn't mean that I don't want to be with her any less. And it shows the kids when we ask for a movie night, it doesn't mean I, we don't want to be with them any less. It just means this isn't the time. Like this mm-hmm. is my time to do this and your time to do that. But we've created this really interesting routine where we, we actually are, have managed to carve out more time with each other. Like, so it, it felt the only time we're away from one another now is when we're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it felt like we were, you know, like, oh, well, but if we don't, like, go to bed at the same time, like, we won't have as much time together, and, and it was that's really what fuels us, and we need it, and, like, now we've even, like, we don't have to go into the nitty-gritty of the routine, but we've managed to even get more time together, because and she's working, I'm sleeping, the kids are sleeping, <laughs> she's done working, like, we've been up for a couple of hours and have dinner made, and we're all hanging out, and, or a meal, we don't really like to call them dinner and breakfast, because when you wake up at 7.30 at night, it's not breakfast, <laughs> or is it, I don't know, <laughs> we call a meal, like, what are you gonna eat, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love, I love that so much. And it, that was something I learned time and again, when I was trying to create a schedule of something. So whether it was more time for myself or it was more time with my husband or just something, something. And I started getting, you know, tense and started to kind of schedule it in. It was so much harder. And yet when I released it and say back to the flow Mm-hmm. And I just kept my eyes open all of a sudden. So often I found more time for the thing. It just wasn't yes. in a particular time zone, right? Yes. I waited right. for it to flow and there it was. Wow. And there it was. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <That's>, it just <laughs> well, seems to be the way of living and it, it just works out. And, you know, it doesn't mean there aren't restrictions. It doesn't mean you can just, you know, bully someone because that's how I'm angry. So that's what I do. Yeah. Really, there the meaning behind it is there's some truth that it takes a while to find like inner belief that you really, if you really do let go, it comes to you. If you put it out into the universe, it will be returned to you. But that doesn't just because you have that belief, it doesn't mean that it necessarily always works because you're still trying to control it. It takes 
inner personal work to get to that point to realize how that is created. And also, I think what, when we think about it that way too, um, what the challenge is, is we try to put a timetable on it. I think exactly. that's what you were saying. Deadline. Like yes. that expectation that, okay, I'm doing that. Okay, I'm releasing. I'm going with the flow. Where the heck is my time? You know, it's, it's being open to seeing it and not on your timetable. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And we could say like, oh, so you want to go to the museum. It's only open from 10 to 6. So we would have to go to bed early. And everyone's like, I don't want to do that. Like, okay, <laughs> let's just watch some YouTube videos of Smithsonian then. <laughs> it's the workout, right? <laughs> That's the creative yeah. ways. Like we can get stuck. Like a museum visit is a museum visit. But there are so many other ways. Like, what was it that you were curious about seeing at the museum if the time isn't going to work, right? And just where we are in the moment. There's just so many other ways than the typical ways to... And that's what we focus on, the different avenues that we can just bring in to absorb life. Oh, my goodness, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. It was so much fun. we really respect you and your work and this was just lovely to talk with you your your energy is pure white and you radiate um just wonderful wonderful vibes and it was reassuring i felt you know sometimes i feel like i'm in a really good place but when when we went to that conference two years ago we thought hey maybe people are gonna ask us questions and we're gonna teach them how to the unschooling with rules or whatever. And, <laughs> and I thought, and this was kind of a, you know, a um, deja vu for me. I, I came into this thinking, Hey, we're veterans. Now we can talk about this. But as I was talking to you, you were the veteran, you were reassuring me. And so thank you. Thank you for having us. This was wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, it was a beautiful conversation. I really loved getting to know more about you guys. It's so much fun to hear a bit about your family too. And that is what I love about the podcast, right? I love, like we talked a little bit before um, we got on the call while we started recording about the questions, right? And the flow of conversation. And for me, the flow of conversation is the most important part. Like I spent a lot of time creating the questions just as a starting off point. Like I think of them as a jumping off point and you guys took the conversation in such beautiful ways. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Thank thank you. you. Before we go, um, where can people connect with you online if they would like to talk to you a little bit more? Yeah. Wonderful. Um, So we have an Instagram page. It is life is our curriculum. Um, And we also, are on Facebook as life is our curriculum. Um, and that's probably the best mm-hmm. place to reach out. Um, people reach out often, ask questions about attachment parenting, unschooling, gentle parenting, all the things that we um, have embarked on and, and are currently doing. So if you have any questions, we would love to um, chat with anyone. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks so much, guys. You have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you, Pam. Thanks, Pam. Bye. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. 
And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.